0: Thank you so much. Praise team. Praise Ben. I invite you to open your Bible today and we're going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture. But the main passage and text today will come from Luke's gospel in chapter number 10. And so we're going to look at several passages. This is a series of messages that we started and uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago. And it really is about how to have the abundant life and about intentional living, elevated thinking and experiencing God's abundance in your life. The Bible tells us in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life, and that life abundant, full, overflowing, meaningful, fulfilling. That's the life that God wants you to experience and to know. But the enemy does everything he can to thwart that in your life and he stands in opposition to God he is opposed to you and he hates you and the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy his mission is to destroy your life his mission is to dishonor God and his mission is opposed to the things of God when you're giving in to his will Then you are opposed to God and His will, and it brings death and destruction in your life. But when our lives are in alignment with God, it brings blessing and fulfillment in your life. Amen. As a matter of fact, uh, there's some cards available in the foyer. Some have asked about this. We're providing these today, and this is sort of the series that we're going to be preaching. You can pick those up today in the foyer. Give them to somebody else, maybe somebody you work with. We're going to talk about mercy today, but uh, next week about living a life of sacrifice, about training, discipleship, living a life of purpose, humility, living a life of trust in God, discernment, living a life of wisdom, and perspective, living a life that matters to God. And so that's the, the coming series of messages, and we encourage you to pray and seek the Lord, invite others and uh, as we look into God's Word together. Today, I, uh, I want us to think about abundance and what might hinder us from experiencing abundance in your life. And uh, there's a lot of things that hold us back, that switch, that trigger, that keep us from experiencing fullness and abundance. You know, one a TV show that we watch every Christmas, a movie, and it's just everywhere. It's like ubiquitous. It says you, you can't miss it hardly. And that's Christmas Vacation. Does anybody know that movie? Chevy Chase is in it. It's made a long time ago, but it just runs all the time during the Christmas season. And we always kind of watch it. And, and you know, he wanted to have a good old-fashioned family Christmas. And, and he's nostalgic and sentimental. Chevy Chase is about this. And He's thinking about having all of his family and the warmth of all that and giving them a great surprise. And, and he gets so over the board and over, uh, uh, just over the top. And uh, my kids all say, Dad, he's you. And so anyway, uh, and, and in some ways. And so you remember when he's putting all those lights on his house? I don't know how many tens of thousands of lights he puts on his house. You remember the story? And he has all these extension cords. And he brings his whole family out on the lawn. Drum roll, he says. And he tries to. And what happens? Nothing. He's so frustrated. His dad says, Son, you need to check all the bulbs. So he, in the middle of the night, he's checking all the bulbs, checking all the cords. It still doesn't work. What's the problem? The problem is the light switch isn't on in the garage. And so there's no power source. You know what? How silly that story is. But in a way, there's like switches in our life. And those switches are keeping us from experience God's abundance and power in our life. Jesus said, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, but... Apart from me, you can do nothing. This life of abundance is found in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Amen? Today, one of the things that prevent and hinder us from experiencing the fullness of God in our life and the abundant life that He wants to give us is unmercifulness. When we have a lack of mercy and unwilling to show mercy in our life, that shows there's a disconnect between us and Jesus in our life. Because when we're connected to him, his character ought to be manifest in our life. And so today, we kind of want to look at that subject together. And uh, so look with me, if you will, in your Bible at our text today, One's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 5, beginning with verse number 7. Let's look at that together, all right? Blessed are the merciful, say it with me, for they shall receive what? Let's say that again. Blessed are the, for they shall receive mercy. You see, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said, those that are merciful receive the abundance of mercy in their own life. Look with me, if you will, to a text today, John's gospel, <clears throat> Luke's Gospel, chapter number 10, beginning with verse number 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to them, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, you've answered correctly, do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. and When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and he saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound his wounds And he said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Father, as we read your word today, I pray that we wouldn't just gloss over it. But Lord, we would, as we read it, invite your Holy Spirit to do business in our lives. Father, make us to be more like your Son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Today I want us to consider this subject but mercy and, and uh, how it brings real abundance in your life. And, and so as we look at this passage of Scripture, it says in, in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter number 10, it's an interesting story. And there's this uh, uh, lawyer, he's a scribe, he's an expert in the law. And he comes to Jesus, you're familiar with the story, and he asks him a question, what must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to have eternal life? How many of y'all think that's a pretty good question to ask? It is a good question. And the question is, what does God require of me? What does God want to see in me? Now look with me. In verse number 25, a a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to have eternal life? Now Jesus responds to him. He said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? So he puts it back to him. You're the expert. You are the scholar. You study the Old Testament, and you know it inside and out. So you tell me, how does it read to you? Okay? And (coughs) pardon me. Verse 27, he said, you shall what? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, or with all of your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, how does Jesus respond? Do you think he gets it right? Look what Jesus said. You've answered correctly. That's right. Do this, and you will live. Today, I want us to think about this very question. And the question is, what does God require? And what does God want in our life? What must I do to enter eternal life? And, 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 and he said, you do this and you live. The, the, what he said was, there's two things. <clears throat> and the law and prophets stand on these two. And Jesus said it too. He said it's summed up in this. The love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. To love God supremely. To, ha- to, to have allegiance to God above all others. And that's the first fill in the blank. It's allegiance to God. Interesting. There's a story that's told in Samuel. And uh, it's about uh, King Saul, the first king of Israel. And remember, the Amalekites had, had not allowed the children of Israel to pass through whenever and had tried to prevent them Whenever they were entering in the promised land, and and God, there was God's judgment was coming upon them, and so Saul led a force to engage them in war. And God's command to him by the prophet from the Lord, from the prophet Samuel, and was this that you are not to allow any to live, and you are to dispose of all of their resources and not keep any of it. Whenever you overcome them and defeat them. And Saul, rather than obeying that prince, what God had said, when he captures him, he captures the king. And, uh, and, and rather than kill him, he, he la- alas, spares his life, Agag. And then he also calls out the very best of the sheep and the very best of the cattle, the oxen. And he says, I'll use them for worship because they're without spot or blemish. And we're going to do this and uh, worship God. But the Lord reveals to the prophet that the first, this first king, Saul, has not obedient to him. And God says to Samuel, he said, Saul is, is small in his own eyes, and, and yet he's a leader of people. And I've put him in charge of people, and he's disobeying me. And I'm going to remove the kingdom from him. So when Samuel comes to confront Saul in 1 Corinthians 15, he confronts him and he, Saul says, I did what the Lord has commanded. It didn't seem like a big thing to him that he had killed most of everything and destroyed most of everything, but he had kept this number for worship, which he thought was better and thought was wiser and he thought was good but it was disobedient to God. And so listen to what Samuel says to King Saul. And Samuel says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Hmm. He says, verse 23, Rebellion is as a sin of divination and presumption as iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. You see, Saul tried to pretend that he had fully obeyed God. He said, I've done what the Lord has commanded. But Samuel said, What is this bleeding of sheep that I hear? And lowing of oxen that I hear. And then he tries to justify and explain. But he says the truth of the matter is this is what God wants. God wants full, complete allegiance to him and him alone. And that's more important than your sacrifices. More important than your worship. More important than your music. More important than what you offer on an altar God wants you to obey him fully, completely. Allegiance and loyalty to him and him alone. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. This is what God wants in your life. This is what God wants in my life. The reason that we need Jesus Christ as our Savior Is because none of us have made the Lord priority and number one in our life. And that's why we need a Savior. The second thing is, a second time, this very similar language is used, is regarding to the second part of that commandment, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. In Hosea chapter number six, verse six, mercy is showing just. what does the Lord require of us? Allegiance to God. Point B, please. Mercy and justice toward men. Hosea 6.6. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. What does he desire? More important than sacrifice is steadfast love or mercy. Mercy and not sacrifice. Next slide, please. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He's told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. we just sang this. To do justice. To love mercy, kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. God wants to see justice and kindness and mercy in our life. In Matthew's gospel, next slide, please. In Matthew's gospel, chapter number 9, verse 10. Jesus said, He's reclining at the table in the house and there's tax gatherers there, other sinners. They're in Levi's house and they're reclining at the table with Jesus and his disciples. Now listen to the critics. Listen to what they say. First, next verse, please. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Hmm. And when he had heard it, he said, those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick... Now listen, listen. Go and learn what this means. I desire, what does God desire? Say it with me. I desire what? Mercy. Not what? For I came not to call the righteous but sinners. Go learn what this means. I think if Jesus says that, that's pretty important. Go learn what this means. I desire mercy more than sacrifice. God desires more than you just coming and bringing your songs and bringing your tithes and bringing your Sunday worship. God desires to see you live justly in this world and show mercy in this broken world. That is an act of worship to God. That you, number one, are loyal and walking in obedience to God. Number two, you're loving others. This is the summary of the law. That's what Jesus is teaching. Next slide, please. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. These are the religious class. For you tithe, what do you tithe? Mint and dill and cumin. Herbs. You tithe even on little herbs from the garden." But you've neglected weightier matters of the law. What are they? Say them with me. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. He says not that your tithing is bad. You should do that. But you've missed out on the main thing. And that is justice and mercy. In your life, this is what God is looking for in our lives a people that love God with all their heart and love one another. This is the life that He's called us to. Hmm. Who is God to us? That's the second question I want us to ask in this message today. Not just what God desires, but who is He to us? First of all, we're going to look at His name, His character. In Exodus chapter number 33, Moses is saying, after the children of Israel have disobeyed God and God's given Moses the law and he comes off of the mountain, they're worshiping that golden calf, you remember? And God's judgment is coming on the children of Israel. And Moses is pleading with God saying, God, who are you and how do I know you? And you said for me to lead these people, but God, I don't even really know you. And if you don't go with God... We can't go forward. God, we want, I want to know you. And God begins to speak his name and his character and reveal that to Moses. And he said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim before you my name. And then he uses the word Yahweh, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. In chapter 34 of Exodus, the Lord, uh, then the Lord descended in the cloud and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God of merciful, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. This is the personal character of who God is. In his name, Moses quickly bowed his head and worshipped. And he said, if now I have favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us for it's a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. Amen. This is the very character of who God is. He's a God of mercy, abounding in loving kindness, forgiving of our sin, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. How does he relate to his, Not only his personal character, but his relational conduct. How does he relate to us as his children? Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful. Say it with me. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? Tell your neighbor, he doesn't deal with us according to our sins. Somebody ought to say, praise God right now. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. That should be another praise God right now. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love toward those who fear him. How great and how big and how glorious is God's love and mercy toward us, higher than the heavens. He covers the deepest, darkest part of our sins. The blood of Christ has atoned for all of our sins. Hallelujah. As far as the east, how far has he removed our sins from us? Look, as far as the what? East is from the west. So far as he removed our transgressions for us. Look how he's loved us. Verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. How many of of y'all love your children? (laughs) Most of the time, right? How many of y'all love your grandchildren? Most of the time, yeah. That's God loves you even greater than that. Even greater than that. For he knows our frame. Did you know God understands you? God understands you. Christy and I have been married nearly 40 years. She's trying to still figure me out. She says, I don't understand you sometimes. But you know, God understands me. He understands you. And he's mindful. He remembers that we are but dust. He understands the frailty of our condition. And he loves us. He cares about us. This is how God relates to us. He's always showing his mercy and his kindness toward us. Now, is He a just God? Yes. Does He call into account sin? Yes, He does. But God has satisfied His justice in the cross of Jesus Christ, and He can shower out His mercy because of what Christ has done for us. Amen? That's God's great. That's His relational conduct toward us. There's a song... It was very popular several, many years ago, several years ago now, but it's still popular, and you hear it on Christian radio some. Phillips, Craig, and Dean sing this song. Once there was a holy place, evidence of God's embrace, and I can almost see mercy's face pressed against the veil. Looking down with longing eyes, mercy must have realized that once His blood was sacrificed. Freedom would prevail. And as the sky grew dark and the earth began to shake, with justice no longer in the way, mercy came running like a prisoner set free, past all my failures to the point of my need, when the sin that I carried was all I could see. When I could not reach mercy, mercy came running to me. Once there was a broken heart, way to the human, to, a way to human from the start, and all the years let it, left it torn apart, hopeless and afraid. Walls I never meant to build left this prisoner unfulfilled. Freedom called, but even still it seemed so far away I was bound by the chains from the wages of my sin. Just when I felt like giving in, mercy came running like a prisoner set free, past all my failures, to the point of my need, when the sin that I carried was all I could see. When I could not reach mercy, mercy came running to me. Amen. God has shown us this great mercy in Jesus Christ. Next slide, please. Micah 7, verse 18 says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever. Why? Because he delights in steadfast love. Verse 19 He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities under his feet and cast all our sins in the depths of the sea. That's God's mercy for you and for me. Amen? Praise the Lord. God loves you. Now, the next question today, as we look at this parable Jesus tells with this, is who deserves mercy? That's a good question, isn't it? Who deserves mercy? So the lawyer says, Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do that and you'll live. And so then he asked another question. And who is my neighbor? Meaning, who do I have to show mercy to? Who do I have to act neighborly to? Who do I have to love? Love your neighbor as yourself. Surely you don't mean... Sinful Jews, do you? Unorthodox Jews that don't keep the law. Do I have to love those people? Do I have to love, uh, do I have to love these Hellenistic Jews? They, they don't even speak Hebrew right. Well, do I have to love... Well, do I have to love... Surely you don't mean Gentiles. Surely we don't have to love Romans. Surely we don't have to love those yard-dog Samaritan half-breed people. We can't stand them. Surely not them. And while he didn't vocalize it, I think he was thinking, who deserves mercy? Can I say something about mercy? Listen close. Mercy is never earned and never deserved. That's the nature of mercy. Mercy. And really, we all need mercy from God, don't we? Because there's none righteous in their own self. And so we all need a Savior, and that's why Jesus came. He died for your sins and mine. We cannot be made right with God except for the mercy of God in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. But God, being rich in what? Mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You can't earn your way to heaven. You need the mercy of God in your life. Next slide, please. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 says, but when the goodness And loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. He saved us. Not on the basis of works done in righteousness. But according to his own what? Mercy. Mercy. By the washing of regeneration. And renewal of the Holy Spirit. We all need God's mercy from God. Because there's none righteous. Not one. Without Jesus Christ. But who should receive mercy from us. Now, that's what the lawyer's asking. Who should we show mercy to? Next slide, please. And desiring to justify himself, he said, who is my neighbor? Hmm. And so he tells the story. And when he's finished with the story, he comes back to the question. And says, who proved to be a neighbor? And he says, I guess the one that showed mercy. Now, let's look at the story. There's a certain man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among thieves. Those who have been with me to Israel uh, know that that trek from Jericho to Jerusalem is a steep trek. It's 4,500 feet decline down to Jericho toward the Dead Sea. And when you go up from Jericho into Jerusalem, it's a steep climb in just a short distance. And so it's a, a, a sharp uh, decline or incline. And so it was in Jesus' day a, called the bloody way. It was lots of thieves and bandits and curving, swerving roads. And people never traveled it at night and you never traveled it alone. And a certain man was on his way from Jerusalem down to Jericho. That's right. And as he was going down, he fell among thieves. This is not uncommon. And he's beaten. And they stripped him. And they stole from him. And they abandoned him. And they left him for dead. He's hurt. Seriously hurt. And along comes a certain what? You know the story. What is he? A priest. And he sees him. What does he do? This is the interactive part of the sermon. What does he do? Moves away from the other side. And when he moves away, he doesn't go to him. He sees him, but he moves on. And then there's another one that comes along. Who's that? You see, the first one's a pastor. The second one's a staff member. And so they're coming along. And what does he see, right? He sees the man hurt, but what does he do? Moves on to the other side. These very religious men do not go to him. You know what? I don't know what name you want to give them. We'll just call them holier than thou. And they're so holy that they're, they they won't go to him. You know why? They're cautious. Sometimes we don't show mercy because we're so cautious. We're cautious. You know what? We, I got to be careful and you know, if I go over there and if that body is dead and then I've contaminated myself and then I can't do my, my, my and, and, and so they're cautious. Or sometimes we're critical, right? Rather than just being cautious, I'm critical. I say, look at that. He said, I, I bet he's one of those bandits himself. They probably turned on him and beat him up. And, and why was he walking alone? And, and and wonder what he did to deserve this. And just critical. And it's so easy, but the world's never changed by critical people that won't get involved. Or maybe he's calloused. And he's just seen so much that he's kind of deaf to the need. I don't know. All we know is he didn't move. What keeps us? What prevents us from moving? Next comes along another guy. And in the story, he's kind of the hero of the story, isn't he? And, and what is his name? And a certain what? Samaritan. The Jews hated Samaritans. They couldn't stand them. They considered them half-breeds. They called them yard dogs. They, didn't, they couldn't stand them because they were totally compromised and their doctrine was wrong and, and they just hated them. And so this Samaritan comes along and he sees him. And what does he do? What does he feel? He feels compassion for him. The other two don't have compassion. And he goes to him, and what does he do for him? He bandages him. He pours oil and wine, medicine on him. He he comforts him. He puts him on his own animal. He takes him to the innkeeper. He invests value in this man that's hurting. He invests worth in him. He invests time in him. He invests resources in him. He was willing to have a schedule interrupted. <coughs> Pardon me. And so he takes him to the innkeeper, and he says to the innkeeper, I found this man. He's hurt. Would you please help him? Here's two days' wage, two denarii. Uh, if, if there's any more expense, you let me know. I'll pay for it. Let's take care of him. And he enlists this innkeeper to help him. And then Jesus asks the question Who proved to be the neighbor? And the lawyer says, I suppose the one that showed mercy. And he said, You go and do the same. Question I want to ask you today: Listen close. Why do you think that man showed mercy to the hurting man? I think because he cared for him, and I just wonder if the reason he did, he cared for him is because there was a time in his own life that he needed mercy. And he was wounded, and he was hurt, just like Scott's scripture he read well ago. And he needed comfort, and somebody helped comfort him. And now he has received comfort, and now he gives comfort. He's received mercy, and now he gives mercy. And folks, that ought to be true of every believer in Jesus Christ because we were lost and we were wounded and we were that man and we were stolen from and we were lied to and we were left for dead. But God in His mercy redeemed us. He's called us to this. He's called us to this. So what moved in His heart? compassion and moved him to action amen there's another group here isn't there there's another in the story that's these angry hateful hostile mean people bandits that beat him and hurt him and left him for dead why would they do that because they live life just to survive and they'll take from anyone because it's all about them. And I suspect that the people that are most hateful and the people that are most hostile and the people that are the most hurtful are people that have been wounded themselves. But no one ever came to help heal them. Hurt people. Hurt people. And when we begin to show mercy, it changes us. Abundance comes to us. Life comes to us. Love flows to them. And the love of Christ is manifest to them. And it changes the world which we live. And this is what God's called us to. Amen? Amen? Next slide, please. How do I show mercy? Remember the story, he was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell, they left him, they beat him. Next slide, please. And this priest comes by and a Levite comes by and we've told the story. Next slide, please. And, and verse 34, he went to him, he bound up his wounds, he pours oil and wine and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and he took care of him. And so this is how we show mercy. Number one, we must see them. Fill in the blank quickly. Number two, you must care. Number three, you must act. Number number four, you may enlist others to help. Who are these that need help? They're all around us, folks. They're all around us. Do you see them? You got to see them, and then you got to care. They're the lost that are around us. They're the alienated, those that are lonely, those that are grieving. What if our church began to see this community in our city? And you say, well, we don't see people beaten like this. No, not, maybe not like that, but they've been beaten up by Satan and left alone. And they think they've got the li- they, the, their life is good, but it's not good. And they're grieving and confused and been lied to. And there are poor around us and addicted people around us and folks in bondage and those that are in prison and those that are discouraged and those that are downcast and those that are separated from God, and those that are lost in the darkness of their sin, you can't get in a worse condition than not knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. And we've got the answer in Christ. Let's go to them and love them and be in relationship with them and share the greatest news in all the world with them. Amen? This is the kind of church I want us to be. Why act in mercy? First of all, it brings mercy to you. Matthew 5 verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Secondly, it brings abundance in your life. Listen to what the scripture says. Luke chapter 6 verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? If even, for even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemy. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Amen. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. But well, with the measure that you use, it will be used to you. Folks, you can't outgive give God. When, when you go and you love people that are unlovely, and when you care for people, when you forgive people, and when you minister to people, and you give of your life, I'm telling you, you've opened yourself as you give. you are opened yourself for God to bring blessing of abundance and mercy into your life. Amazing. Isn't that awesome? It brings abundance in your life. Number C. It demonstrates you're really a child of God. You be merciful. Why? Even as your Father is merciful. It demonstrates the character of of our Father when we live as He has shown mercy to us in Christ. Amen? That's a good word, isn't it? How many wants that abundant life? Amen. Last scripture verse. Say it together with me. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Say it with me. Just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. You have love one another. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for this great word on your mercy and, Father, about the mercy that you've called us to give. And, Father, we know we can't do this unless we are abiding in Jesus Christ. So, Father, have your way in our hearts, our lives. In this moment, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with me. You come. Make that decision Christ would have you make. Won't you come? Come now. As we sing.